Welcome to East Hills Alliance Church. We are everyday people following Jesus every day. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, today we are uh, wrapping up uh, this, this series we begin the uh, year with called Grow. Um, I'm realizing that for the second week in a row, I forgot my little clicker, so I am on a roll. Uh, good thing we have an awesome tech team. Anyway, uh, next week, we are going to enter into Lent. Jesse talked about the worship night this week that uh, kicks that off um, and uh, kicks off this season of uh, saying, okay, if, if we're going to be everyday people who follow Jesus every day, what does it mean to follow someone who is leading us directly to the cross and into new life, but new life through, through the cross? Uh, it is a season of preparing our hearts for, uh, for following Jesus into uh, that kind of depth of, of love and, and new life. Uh, so that, that'll be next week. We'll start looking at just how upside down Jesus's teachings were compared to how we think of, of the world. Uh, we started talking about growth earlier this year by talking about the acorn, uh, this a seed that, while being a relatively large seed, is nothing compared to the giant oak tree that it grows into. And we talked about how uh, that kind of exponential growth from acorn to oak tree uh, is the kind of growth that every guru and gym owner and Instagram influencer promises you if you will just do their six-step program. And I know that Nobody uses the acorn to oak tree analogy when they're telling you to buy their gym membership. But uh, the, the fact is there that they are, are promising us, uh, inviting us into this kind of exponential growth. So how do we get that kind of growth? Well, how does the acorn grow into an oak tree? Not the way that we're told to grow, not, not what is sold to us, because we are told to out-hustle and outwork, to buy a shortcut or to otherwise undercut the people around us in some way. The acorn, instead, grows by going through a process of being buried in the ground, watered and nourished, and broken open in order to grow. Uh, maybe you remember this quote from the first week in this series from author Amy Fallon. Does an acorn need to set a goal and fight to achieve an outcome in order to grow into the fullest expression of who she is? Does she have to labor tirelessly to become the oak tree? Or is she just already intrinsically, inherently everything she needs to be? Put another way, what if the growth that God is doing in your life isn't about changing who he has made you to be, but about growing you into who he has made you to be? What if the growth that God wants to do in your life is doing, the work that he's doing in you and your life, isn't about changing who he's made you to be, but about growing you into who he has made you to be? God knows that he made the caterpillar to be a butterfly and he made the acorn to become an oak tree and he knows who he made you to be. And the acorn doesn't strive to outwork the other seeds or outspeed the process. 
But the acorn trusts the process of planting and nourishing and breaking open. So we asked this question when we started the series. What if growth isn't a daily habit of achievement, but a daily habit of trusting God? What if growth isn't a daily habit of achievement? As we begin a year talking about resolutions and new daily habits, and by the time we get to the end of this series, most of those resolutions have fallen by the wayside anyway. What if growth isn't a daily habit of achievement, but a daily habit of trusting God? Well, that leads to some follow-up questions, like what does it mean to trust God in our growth? to trust the process that he's taking us through, and what exactly is he trying to grow us into anyway? Well, sticking with the tree analogy here, tree metaphor, what if uh, this verse described you? This is verse three of Psalm one. What What if this was your life? They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. That's a beautiful life. Bearing fruit, leaves never wither. I think many of us can think of parts of our life or seasons in our life where it just felt like we were withering. They prosper in all that they do. Sounds good. It starts with, they are like, and uh, it's a little Bible study 101 here. Anytime we pop into a verse like this, or because uh, a pastor pops us into one, or because you see a random verse on Facebook, if you ever see a term that is not defined in the verse itself, it's a really, really, really good idea to go find it out from context and the verses around it, what that term is talking about. Okay, so... The they here isn't defined within the verse, so let's back up a couple verses and look at who this is talking about. Who are these people that are metaphorical trees planted next to the riverbank? So the first three verses of Psalm 1. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They, these people who don't stand around with sinners or join in with the mockers, but delight in the law of the Lord, they are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. So let's look at the lessons that we learn about these fruitful trees that we are invited to become. Uh, let's start at the, uh, the end and kind of work our way back upwards through the psalm. Okay, so first we see in verse 3 that these trees are planted along the riverbank. In other words, they are planted in this good, nurturing soil. They are planted next to the constancy of the river that nourishes them. The the soil that they're in is good for growing and bearing fruit. So if we are going to grow into trees that bear fruit, it means that we should also cultivate good soil. We should cultivate good soil. Soil that is nurturing and nourishing of the work that God is doing in us. Now, 
as we're talking about scripture and talking about good soil, this pops to mind for me a story that Jesus shared, a, a parable, which is just a story with a lesson. And this uh, particular parable, Jesus taught in lots and lots of parables, lots of stories that catch your attention uh, and, and teach a, a lesson of some sort within them. Uh, this particular parable uh, shows up in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So three of the four accounts of Jesus's life that we have. Uh, the story is remarkably similar in, in all three, which frankly is not particularly common. Uh, the stories that we hear of Jesus about his ministry, even relating uh, many of his teachings, are all a little bit different as they're written from different human perspectives because it is the word of God, but it is the word of God written through human beings. This story uh, it is remarkably similar in, in all three places that it shows up. So we're going to look at the uh, Mark version. Uh, this is Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 1. Once again, Jesus began teaching by the lakeshore. A very large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got into a boat. Then he sat in the boat while all the people remained on the shore. He taught them by telling many stories in the form of parables, such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seed. As he scattered it across the field, some of the seed fell on a footpath and the birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plant soon wilted under the hot sun. And since it didn't have deep roots, it died. Other seed fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plant so they produced no grain. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they sprouted, grew, and produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. A little later, he's asked to explain uh, this story, and as part of that explanation, verse 20 says, and the seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been planted. The good soil comes from hearing and obeying the word of God. Uh, Psalm 1 verse 2 puts it this way, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. Part of cultivating good soil for godly growth is to intentionally obey the word of God, to intentionally obey the word of God. Believing that the law of God is good and is for our good. Determining that the teachings of Jesus will be good for us as we determine to follow them. That it's not just taking in these teachings, not going, well, that sounds nice, but the actual application of them. Actually applying the words of God to our uh, actions, our attitudes, our priorities and motivations, our sense of security, our sense of hope. To obey means to take it in and then apply it. And the second part of cultivating good soil is similar. Uh, verse one of Psalm one says, oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers. And this is phrased in the negative, but because it says don't, 
we can then infer that the opposite do would be good. Okay? So don't follow the advice of the wicked. Well, then do follow the advice of the holy and the wise. So the second part of cultivating good soil is to seek wisdom. To seek wisdom. We seek wisdom in scripture, uh, but also in the people around us. Part of uh, cultivating good soil is, in fact, the company we keep. Specifically, the company, the people around us that we allow to influence us, to set us in a direction. And look, I, I really believe that the easiest community to find and become a part of in our world today, in our society today, the easiest community to find is a community of mockers. Like, I don't know how much of Twitter and TikTok's content would disappear if we took away all the mockery, but I'm willing to believe it's more than half. We mock politicians, we mock celebrities, we mock football coaches, we mock the random stranger on Twitter that we don't know because they said something we disagree with. We mock. And, and I, I think I get it. I think I understand why this is so easy to find. Uh, I, I come from a, a family where uh, sarcasm is a love language, okay? Uh, and it also happens to be, uh, so the way we communicate love often also happens to be the way that we have communicated the most hurt uh, over the years. There, part of the beauty of mockery is there's an instant identifier, Okay, so I mock that person over there, and now everybody who also wants to mock that person over there is like, ooh, that was a good one. I'm with them, right? It very easily and quickly establishes an us and them, right? So we instantly have community. Plus, instantly in that community, we are laughing together, which means there's a little jolt of happiness in our brain chemistry, and we feel even more connected to the people around us. And so instantly, we're not just a, a group of us and them. We're a community of us and them over there. And it feels good, and so we want more of it. The the problem is that like the seed that falls in the rocky ground, this joy shoots up quickly, but it can't last for a couple of different reasons. One, because when you're in that kind of community where you know the currency is mockery, you have to keep your walls up because they might turn on you. And because the way you have built your community is based on undercutting the humanity of somebody else. And we don't think about it that way because when we start mocking, they're not really human to us. That's part of a community of mockery. They're not human, they're a politician. They're not human, they're a celebrity. They're not human, they're an athlete. And so we feel comfortable mocking them because we're not really tearing down a human. The problem is we actually are. And if we're building community based on undermining the humanity of other people, that simply can't be a joy that lasts. And people who are mocking can't grow because they are too busy finding the funny faults in other people to be able to notice the growth areas in themselves, at least in that moment of mockery. Lasting joy 
is actually found in cultivating lasting growth in our character, in our community. Joy that actually lasts, not just sprouts up for a moment and makes us feel good, but that actually carries us through hard and frustrating seasons. Lasting joy comes from cultivating lasting growth in our character, in our community, which brings us to one last need for cultivating good soil, or at least one last that I saw. You may see many others. Uh, Let's look again what it says about the tree in verse 3. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. It bore fruit each season, season after season, time after time. In Jesus's story about the good soil, the crop reaped a bountiful, exponential harvest. Well, a harvest, of course, takes a full season. Jesus didn't tell a story about growth speed. He told a story about growth results. And we really, really like the idea of growth speed. We want things to be fast. We want to get the results we want, and we want to get them very, very quickly. But the point is not how fast something can grow. It is the benefits from the growth. It's, it's what you reap in the results of the growth itself. And so to see growth of fruit in our lives, we're going to have to be willing to commit time. Things take time. Seasons take time. Committing time to the word, committing time to a community of wisdom, committing time to see growth take hold in your life, committing time to go through the process of being buried and watered and broken, committing time to the process of stretching and blooming and bearing fruit. These things take time. Season after season. Okay. So what kind of fruit does this kind of God-growing tree produce? Well, helpfully, Scripture tells us, and I don't even have to stretch the metaphor at all, okay? In Galatians chapter 5, we have a list we call the fruit of the Spirit. The results of God's work in our lives. This is Galatians 5, verse 22. But the Holy Spirit produces. Okay, so the Holy Spirit is God's presence and power with us. Like the river running past this tree planted in the riverbank, God is constantly with us. This is the result of his presence, his work in our lives. What the Holy Spirit produces, this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, And self control. There is no law against these things. Now, this is not an exhaustive list of what gets produced in our lives by the work of Holy Spirit, but but it is a really beautiful list. So I do want to mention that this is not a formula we create. This is not a, well, I will obey and I will seek wisdom, and A plus B equals God has to give me the fruit I'm looking for in my life. 
Similarly, this is not the kind of thing, not a result that we can force with our, our strength and our hustle. We can't power our way into this kind of fruit in our lives. This kind of fruit comes from undergoing the process of growth. Comes from obedience and seeking wisdom and committing to growth over time. And again, we don't really like the idea of committing to growth over time. We would like it fast. We would like it yesterday. I would want what I want and I, I want it now. But if this list takes time to get to, to develop in our lives, so worth it. <laughs> what a beautiful list. I don't know, uh, I don't know anyone, Christian or otherwise, who wouldn't want more of most of this list in their life, right? Who doesn't want more love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness in their life. Self-control is sometimes a little questionable. We're not always sure we want that one. But the rest of them, we all want more of this in our lives. And here's the thing. Uh, most of us have, uh, if, if we have uh, some length of experience in church, most of us, our experience is in the American church. Um, which is in and of itself just fine. We in our American culture have a fairly individualized mindset. And so what that means is growing up in the American church, you have learned that uh, whether you learned this list through a catchy little song that I hope is stuck in your head currently or not, this list you were taught is for you. This is the, the fruit that, that God wants to grow in the life of the individual. And, and it is absolutely true that Jesus said that we can uh, tell a lot about a tree by its fruit. And he's talking about individual people. That if you want to know whether somebody is being faithful, well, does faithfulness show up in their life? And, and all of us can and should desire more of this kind of fruit, these fruits in our lives. But Jesus didn't say that the world will recognize his disciples as pretty little fruit trees on the side of the road. He said, the world will know that you are mine, that you are following me by how you love one another. So all of this fruit gets poured back into the community, into how we love one another and how we love the world around us. Okay, little science question, so somebody just shout out the answer when you know it. Where does a seed come from? Flowers. Flowers. Any other answers? That's a great one. Yeah. Yes, sir. Trees. Trees. It is reproduced from whatever plant it grows, right? It, a seed is either the fruit or in the fruit of the tree plant crop that it is from. Uh, this acorn, well, not actually this acorn, because this acorn came from a questionable website halfway around the world, but real acorns, uh, real acorns are the fruit of the oak tree. And it falls from the oak tree, ripe 
for growing something new. And if it lands on a beaten path or on rocky soil, well, not much good comes of that. But if it lands in good soil, if it is buried in and nourished, amazing things happen and a whole new tree emerges. So yes, it is absolutely true that the fruit of God's work in you is for you. It is. It is God's gift to you so that you can experience the blessings of love and joy and peace and the like. But God's work in you is also the seeds for the new work that he's going to do in you and in others. The fruit you are blessed by, the fruit you are blessed with, should become the seeds that bless others. The fruit you are blessed with should become seeds that bless others. As God grows love and gentleness and self-control in your life, you now have the seeds to invest in helping grow these things, this rich life in others. If you are standing alone as a pretty little fruit tree on the side of the road, you've got no soil to invest in, but, but in community, which means being in awkward relationships with people who don't have any fruit in their life yet. And sometimes means being in awkward relationships with people who are towering far more fruitful trees than you at this point in their life. It's in community that growth begets growth. And I think we can take this beyond the, the list here in Galatians, which I mentioned was not exhaustive, and it still be very, very biblical. For example, if God has borne some fruit of financial blessings in your life, those blessings can be seeds invested to grow more fruit in the lives of other people. We see this over and over again in the New Testament, actually. Just a couple of examples. Uh, Lydia in Philippi was a woman who, because of her business success and her influence in the community, was able to be a huge spearhead leader for the starting of the Philippian church. We see another woman named Joanna who funded much of Jesus' traveling party as his ministry went uh, around the region. If God's born some financial blessing, some financial fruit in your life, however big or small you may feel like it is, there's an opportunity to invest it, to grow more fruit in the lives of others. If God has given you the gift of time, which if you're wondering if that's you, it, it is, because it's all of us, you get to determine whether that time will be spent to try to make you look like a really impressive tree with no fruit, or to look like a pretty little fruit tree on the side of the road, or whether that time gets invested in the lives of other people, whether that time produces holy fruit in the lives of other people. If God has blessed you with skills 
If God's blessed you with skills that save lives or skills that teach big or small humans or skills that make you capable of checking a box on a registration form at Royal Family Kids Camp, you can invest those skills into being a blessing to other people, into planting seeds in other soil. As love and kindness or self-control grows in you, you can be a life-giving part of a fruit-bearing orchard that is blessed by God. Cultivate good soil, bear fruit, plant seeds. God wants to create an an orchard of fruit-bearing trees in the family of God. So a question to ponder and a task for the answer. Question is this, what is God growing in you to be a blessing to others? What is God growing in you to be a blessing to others? Is God growing a recognition of his love for you and your ability to love others? Is God growing a joy that you can't explain that other people need to be encouraged by? Is God stirring in you a desire to serve downstairs, to serve across town, to serve halfway around the world? What fruit do you see beginning to flower in your life? And when you answer that, and you don't have to answer it this morning, feel free to take it home and examine your life. Where is God blessing you? Where, are, where is fruit emerging in your life? And when you know that answer, or even part of that answer, tell somebody about it. Tell somebody. And and we think it is so weird to tell somebody. Like, look look at all the fruit that God is growing in my life. I'm a pretty little fruit tree. Like, that that would be weird, especially if you say it like that. But, and, and... And honestly, if your goal is to be a pretty little fruit tree, then yes, it's going to get weird and it's going to feel awkward. And and we're like, great, good for you and your fruit. If your goal is to bless other people, now it doesn't matter if it's weird, it's needed. It's needed. Because other people need to be encouraged by what God is doing in your life so they can be reminded that he is doing good work in theirs. You need to seek wise counsel on how to invest the fruit that God is bearing in your life. You need to seek accountability so that other people will hold you to that and not let you wither somewhere lost in the orchard. Testify to the goodness that God is growing in your life. Tell somebody about it. Tell Jess today before you leave or weeks from now that you want to serve in some way. You can talk to me. You can uh, email Allie at easthills.org. She is downstairs loving our kids this morning. She's our volunteer coordinator. Email her and tell her the weird way that you think you want to serve and invest because she she will take all your weird ideas and weird stories. And I promise you she'll be encouraged by you reaching out with an email. In fact, I promise you that whoever you tell, I guess I don't want to speak for everybody, I can pretty much promise that whoever you tell, 
is going to be encouraged by the fact that you share. It will bless the people around you to hear from you what God is doing in your life and to hear your desire to invest it in some way. So testify to God's goodness and his calling in your life. However, he is calling you to invest the fruit he has blessed you with. So cultivate, seek, obey, commit. Be on the lookout for the way that God is growing seeds in your life and out of your life. For the way God is growing things in you so that they can be planted in the lives of others around you as well. Let me pray for us as we do that together and the worship team comes up. Father God, thank you that you are ever present with us. That we can be planted in a way that you are constantly nourishing us. And Father, you know my tendency too often is to get a taste of that and decide I've grown a little and I'm good and I'm going to walk away. <laughs> Father, would you keep us planted in the places where you are nourishing and growing us? Would you give us eyes to see the fruit that you are developing in our lives? Would you give us the courage to obey what you're calling us to do? To speak out when you're calling us to speak out, to tell somebody? Would you give us the courage to testify to the good things that you're doing? Thank you, Father, that you are growing love and joy and peace in our lives, that you are growing those things and so much more in, in our community as we follow you together. Thank you that we can trust you every day to be present, to be good, to love us, to stir up love in us. We thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for checking out our podcast. You can learn more or connect with us online at easthills.org.